0: you're listening to what the business the business podcast where i interview independent business owners about success failure and all the moments in between my name is josie Barrick, and i'm your host Hello guys and welcome to today's episode. We have Jamie Monty of Monty CPA. She is a guru of all things finance. Her and I spend the first 30 minutes or so talking about her business and how she's built it up to be where it is now. Um, but then we spend the rest of the time just deep diving into financial advice, bookkeeping advice, and all that and more. So enjoy this episode. Uh, Share it with your friends and be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and check out the links in the show notes too. Thank you so much. Enjoy. So hello and welcome to today's episode of What the Business. Um, Today I have Jamie, uh, how do you say your last name? Actually, I should have asked. That's
1: okay, Monty.
0: Monty? Okay, perfect. Jamie Monty of Monty CPA and she is... Your finance guru, all things accounting and bookkeeping, and we're going to talk so much about that, all that good stuff today. Um, hi, Jamie, welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Thanks for having me. And I love that you said all that good stuff because that's what it is. And people sometimes don't think that's what it is, and I'm like, no, this is the fun stuff. I promise, this is the fun stuff. So, um, so I'm a CPA, a chartered professional accountant. And I've been doing it, I just checked today and it's been over 10 years I've Hello. been in accounting and finance. <laughs> like, how does that happen? So, <laughs> so I've been working in accounting and finance for just over 10 years uh, across multiple industries. And now um, over the past four years, I specialize in working with solo entrepreneurs in order to help them get gain back control of their finances, understand how to organize their bookkeeping so that they can feel confident in their business and make more money.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, So how did you get into finance? Did you always, was that always your goal or? Yeah.
1: Good question. So it was, um, it wasn't always my goal. It was a very natural progression, like, um, you know, going all the way back to like high school days where you're like, okay, I have to pick something (laughs) new after I graduate. And I guess I'm good at math. And my dad was like, my dad was like, so focused on me doing like, um, it, this is like so offensive, but he was very much like, I want you to do something more specific. I don't want you to just do general arts. I want you to pick something specific. So I'm like, math is specific. I'm going to do that. So then I studied math and in university. So I did my bachelor's in math, but at that point, you're still like, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I started taking more like finance specialized courses in university, although I wasn't necessarily interested in finance, it just seemed like a very practical route to take, which has been my life probably up until the last few years is all about practical to, to practical things to do. And then yeah, and accounting, out of all of the different finance courses I could take, accounting was always the one that I that I gravitated towards. So after that, um, I graduated. I realized that you can't really get a job in accounting if you're not a designated accountant. So then that's how I started studying the CPA okay. designation, and that's that's the story.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you started, were you just working with individuals? Um, Was it always business owners? Because now it looks like you more just kind of sell like programs and resources, resources and tools. Mm -hmm. Um, So what was that transition and progress like to what you do now? hmm
1: So, so the first bit was corporate world. So we don't okay. really need to talk about
0: yeah.
1: that. Okay. That was kind of like, you know, <laughs> that was, you know, hopping around from, I was working a lot of ad, ad agencies and I did some ops, ops work and stuff. So, uh, but after I decided I wanted to go off on my own, it was not really a strategic um, move at that point. It was more of a, oh my gosh, like I don't want to work in an office anymore. <laughs> like I want a truly flexible schedule. And And like many 20 somethings, and I was like, I have less. like, I just want to travel all the time and, and do all that. So um, eventually, I uh, took the plunge to leave my corporate job, but then I didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do. So I started to do like anything I could do with my CPA designation. So I would do some bookkeeping, help some people with their bookkeeping, I would help some people with their tax stuff, I would help some some organizations just on a consulting level I worked for like an accounting firm on the back end as their tax expert like I did a whole bunch of random Mm -hmm. things but what kept coming up and what kept I don't know if I was attracting this or I was naturally attracted to this type of work but I realized that I was constantly helping um solo entrepreneurs so and mostly female and I would do their taxes and then I would be like okay but you know it's going to be it'll be much better if you do x y and z and so over time i started to realize like this is a real gap in the market because solo entrepreneurs like they they don't get the same treatment as like a larger organization would when they go to get an to hire an accountant or get accounting help so there's a bit of a a bit of a gap in between like when you would hire an accountant and a bookkeeper and when you're doing it yourself and you're just kind of running the show on your own and you don't really You're not really ready to hire a bookkeeper and you Mm -hmm. don't really know what your tax responsibilities are because Mm -hmm. no one sits down to explain that to you and you don't have someone on your, you know, on your payroll doing it for you. So Mm -hmm. that I started to realize like there's needs to be so much more education for solo entrepreneurs because so many of us are going out and doing things on our own, but we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we're responsible for. And also we're scared. Like a lot of, especially like the, the creative entrepreneurs, I find they're, really like scared of the numbers and the ones that are the most scared are the ones that I always find too are like actually doing better than they thought they were but it's like kind of just like a mental block and they need yes. someone to just say this is correct how you're doing this and this is incorrect and let's fix it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I mean I think it's intimidating right and there is a fear of you know getting audited and all those things. So you want to do it you do want to do it right and properly but I think like the fear kind of cripples people. They're like, I'll just deal with it tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> but continually yeah. thinking that or thinking like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first realized, okay, I want to fill this gap in the market. I feel like I can do this really well. What did you do to kind of gain momentum um, to get clients?
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I came up with um, my signature method, which is the bookkeeping program. And so that, first I had that idea, okay, like, cause I realized that people were coming to me sporadically for help on an hourly basis. And it wasn't, it didn't actually help them. Cause I would tell them everything in an hour and then they're not accountants or bookkeepers. So they would forget everything. And then be like, at the end of the year, I didn't do anything. Oh my gosh. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had to come up with my, a method that I knew was going to actually work. And then, and then it wasn't like, it was really about showing up like at the time, we were able to do in-person events and I just showed up to like every networking event that I felt compelled to like things that I was more like interested in. So like, you know, there's networking events where they talk about a specific business, like, Oh, yeah. we're going to talk marketing today or whatever. So I would go to ones that I naturally felt like interested in and, yeah. and just consistently show up and introduce myself to people. That's all. I, I yeah. was like, I just have to tell people what I do and keep showing up and eventually it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So i think, but at that point I didn't even have social media so it was just me being like hi here's my business card call me if you need help and yeah
0: the original social social media
1: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly
0: (laughs) that's good I like that because I think that in the social media age I think a lot of people kind of get too lost in it and forget about just how valuable networking is on the other side of the screen like in person and really meeting people and even if you meet them online just like having a coffee chat getting on the phone talking about what they do just like those little conversations you just never know who knows someone that needs your service or who's friends with someone that could use it or who could use it themselves um yeah. i think that's that's really important and it seems like networking events nowadays are a lot more, I don't know, glamorous and fun because there is the yes. aspect of if it looks good on social media, more people will come. So I feel like certain networking events, if you can find the right groups in your area, are like it's way more exciting to go. And before like I remember going with photographers I was like working with when I was in school or like new to the industry and like They would just be like, do you want to come to this thing? Like, you could probably benefit. And I'd be like, sure. And it was just like in like a weird basement or, you know, like the weirdest (laughs) things, like a commercial basement with no windows or like random places, because that's just like what made sense. And now I think a lot more people are recognizing, like if we make networking events, really big and cool and exciting and really niche down like it'll be so much more valuable for everyone who comes and it'll just help them grow that um like I found you through um women who freelance
1: oh in Toronto. What's it called? I didn't know where you found me so that's yeah <laughs> amazing
0: oh yeah I guess that. I should have said that then <laughs> oh,
1: it's fine I was like oh she, she seems fun. let's do this
0: <laughs> yeah 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 so I found you through that and like I just think it's super cool but um yeah, I love that. Um, so, I guess then looking at the projection of your business, how, when you realized that you wanted to do the boot camp, like what was it like building that? Um, yeah, to talk a bit more about that process building kind of um, like that online resource that you get to do with people and build it for that specific thing. Cause I feel like it must take a lot of time to build these programs.
1: Yes. So it, it's like, I've been running it for three years now, and I'm in like the third iteration of it, I would say maybe the fourth, maybe the fourth. So the first one was probably the hardest iteration because it was like, you know, you think you need, you think people need something to be taught in a specific way, but then you realize that it's actually not the case. And I think with online courses, um, it's really important that you don't actually build out all the content right away. Like it's actually better for your clients if you don't, because you're really able to move like ebb and flow with them and see, Mm. like at the beginning, my course was 14 weeks. Now it's 12 weeks. And it's like um, I would teach a certain thing at the beginning and now I teach it at the middle or like there's certain things. So, but if you build out all of the content before you launch your course, then it's actually a disservice to the people taking the course. You have to know what your pillars are. What are you going to be teaching? How are you going to teach it? But at the same time, you never really know how it's going to be received and where extra attention is going to be needed and Mm -hmm. where people are just going to be like blowing through a module because it's easy for them. Mm -hmm. So I found that the first iteration was the hardest because maybe I did too much planning and then I wasn't able, it was harder for me to shift and I did more work than I needed. But, um, but yeah, creating, creating the content itself is not so difficult, especially now because I've seen so many people's situation. I'm very much like mm. the last version of the course, I did a whole bunch of, um, pre-recorded videos at the beginning. It was just PDF. So now I did a bunch of pre-recorded videos, but the amazing thing is now that I have three years of running it, I know exactly what everybody's going to ask. So I'm able to make videos that are like, three minutes long answering a specific question that I know everyone's going to ask and everyone's going to want to rewatch like after the course is done. So it's, yeah, it's been, the content itself has been easy. The tech I'm not great at. So that's (laughs) been challenging. (laughs) um, That's a little bit of a mind block, but like a block for me, you know, Mm -hmm. people have it with finance. Sometimes for me, the tech, I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I just want to do everything manually because I'm so scared of the tech, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's been a process of like learning myself and, um, just doing it over and over again with new clients. And that's how you just get better and better at the user experience and, and at knowing what's going to make people successful mm-hmm. is your question. Yeah,
0: for sure. No, it yeah. does. Um, so what kind of marketing tools did you use and do you use now, um, to help sell that program, the bootcamp? Mm-hmm.
1: So at the beginning, um, It was like I said, it was like all referral and networking, but eventually I had to get on social. So (laughs) I did get on social media and my strategy at the very beginning was to show up on social media and give free advice every day for like a period of time. So I did like my first campaign, which was like 30 days of free tax tips. And I would show up every single day on a story. Like I, when I look at these stories, I'm like so embarrassed. I'm like, I was so awkward, but you have to get out there, right? you got to just put yourself out there. That's the only way you'll get better at it. Yeah. Now I can just do stories and it's chill. But the beginning it was like, it's very similar to the networking show up, give value, tell people what you do. Mm -hmm. And that was what I really focused on was value, value, value. And then um, for the first little while, and then people were like, no, we want to know your personality. Like I had mm. so people say, yeah. you know, like, cause I was so like, nobody cares who I am, what I'm <laughs> doing. Like they just want free tax advice. So I will give them that. And that's what worked for me, right? Like I yeah. would show up, give the tips. People realize, oh my gosh, in order to implement these, I need to organize my stuff. And then they would, and then they would hire me. But now it's been more um, into like, I I show up on social media. I make sure to give value. I also put some of my personality into there so people can get to know me. Um, And my strategy is really about, uh, like, it's really, like, basic stuff. Like, do an IGTV every week. Like, Mm -hmm. show up on stories five days a week if I can. If I'm, you know, not having a crazy week, uh, like, make sure to post once or twice a week. Now I'm so into reels. So Mm -hmm. I make sure. Your reels are
0: So good, I was going (laughs) to say.
1: Thank you. I really like doing them. They're so fun. Like, yeah, I wish I could just do reels as a living. Like, I swear, it's so fun. (laughs) So, and that's really actually something key I want to say about my strategy for finding clients and marketing is I've always been about, like, what's going to be the most fun for me and what feels natural for me. So when I did the networking events, I picked subject matters I like so I could show up out of the pure enjoyment of it. And same with social media when I was like, okay, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Pinterest, there's Twitter, there's all this stuff. And at the start, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to be on all platforms, I need to do all of this. And then I thought, no, like I get to pick a platform that I like. Instead of, I wasn't strategic about where my clients are. People told me my clients are on Facebook. It's like, but I don't like Facebook. So Mm -hmm. I showed up on Instagram and I'm like, I don't care if most of my clients are on Facebook. I know that I'm going to show up and have the most fun on Instagram. And that's also what's really, really important to me in my business is that I'm having fun too. So, and mm-hmm. people see that, like you said, and you're like, Oh, your reels are great. It's because I genuinely have so much fun doing. Them. Yes. So I really focused on like, what do I like? And then I hone in on a strategy based on that, not mm-hmm. necessarily in a strategic way. And mm-hmm. it, it is strategic, but not in the way that you would think it is. I guess.
0: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think that's also really Important because, yeah, like I mean, I used to post on Facebook every weekday, like religiously for months because I was like, it's going to help. I know it's going to help. It links everything. This will work. And I hit a point, I think, in like January of this year in lockdown where I was just like, I'm not seeing any return. It's taking up way more time than even a week of Instagram does, scheduling wise, because. I don't know what to put. I don't know what my Facebook audience wants. I have like 300 likes to my Facebook page.
1: I'm just like, there's no
0: one, no one's listening here. Why am I doing this? So I just completely stopped. And I think it's important to, yeah, just to stick to like what feels good for you. Because then, I mean, people pick up on that. And I think that's really valuable to people to see that like engagement genuinely from you. So I like that.
1: I like that. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. i like, and I know once, you know, when you grow larger and all this stuff, like you do have to do multiple, like, I get that there's more strategy to it, but I think at the level that I'm at, and uh, the people I work with mostly solo entrepreneurs you can really only do one, pick one, like out of all the socials, like you can't be on all of them. Yeah. So probably pick one, get that down pack and then add another, maybe have someone help you, but it's, yeah. there's only so much we can do anyways. So we might have yeah. well pick something that we like.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. No, that's really good. Just leverage the audience that you have where you have it as much as you can, I think mm-hmm. is important. Um, yeah, I, I, I find your Instagram super awesome. It's so good because it's like fun, quick tips here and there. And then you have like full IGTV videos for people who want more. And I mean, it's obvious. I mean, I, I'm sure you know, like it must be a key part of your sales funnel because it most definitely I mean I found your website and you first before I found your Instagram but once I saw your Instagram I was like oh this absolutely would take me I would be like let me look for more I want to see oh I love it
1: thank you it's been you know I've been working hard at it like in terms of like I make sure every single day like it's you know how it is like you said Mm -hmm. Um, but it's nice when you actually you hear? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's actually true. so nice for
0: me to hear. Oh, no, it's so true. It's tough because most people. I mean, most of the time, you don't hear people don't say anything, right? So yeah. you're just like, hopefully, hopefully. they like, okay. Right.
1: Some people viewed this. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, okay, so I always like to say, work smarter, not harder. Um, do you have any work habits or routines that allow you to work smart?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So what allows me to work smart? So this is going to sound like completely ridiculous, but so I, so I'm a big fan of, of life coaching and business coaching. And I always have like, I always like, that's how I, when I started my business, I hired a life coach and she worked with me in all different areas of my life. But like, I would not have my business if I didn't work with her straight up Mm -hmm. because I I Mm -hmm. needed somebody to help me. Figure out like what I wanted to do slash, as coaching every coach knows, we already know what we want to do. We just need someone to get it out of us, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, like I would say, first of all, high, hiring coaches in general has helped me to work smarter. Like spending, like I've been working, like you mentioned, your sales funnel, and I never had a sales funnel. I still mm-hmm. not really have a sales funnel. I'm still working on that process and. So what did I do? I hired a sales coach who, well, okay. I, don't know, I think she calls herself a productivity. But I don't know what she calls, her. but anyways, she helps <laughs> me with all of that, and I have to show up once a week, and that I think has helped me to to be like this is a priority. I'm paying someone to help me do this, and like that means that I have to get all the other stuff done in order to be able to. Focus on what I want to focus on, why I'm paying somebody. So hiring a coach is also like always, I think, always helpful if you're trying to work smarter because they can really pull things out of you that like you might ruminate on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I think, oh my gosh, like I don't know what to do about this. And then I show up and ask them and they're like, well, what about this? And I'm like, all right, done, solved, perfect. <laughs> like, like, why not hire somebody to help you? To, to get to answers that you might take longer to get to. Like, I, I mm-hmm. it just makes so much sense to me. So hire a coach, that's my hat for working yeah. smarter. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love that. It's so true. Coaches are really good at just like rewording what you've already said to them in a new way back at you so that you're like, oh, Oh, I get it now. Oh, wow. I said those words myself, didn't I? I'm such a fool. How did I not see that? Like, they're just they just a switch of perspective. It's it's so life changing.
1: Yeah. And actually, what I was thinking of before I went on, because that was actually even a different tangent. But before I went on a tangent, I also had something that was kind of mind blowing. So I went to like a virtual coaching retreat earlier this year, actually in January. Yeah, And it was so much fun. And, um, you know, I had a problem where last quarter, like the last quarter of 2020, I was feeling very overwhelmed. Like I was working so much. And I felt like even when I wasn't working, like I would try all these t- tricks, like, okay, I'm going to close my office door at 5pm and that's it for the night. Or like, I'm going to, I don't know, like schedule these things in and if I don't do these things then I have to work until they're done and that will force me to get everything done in like a more timely manner like I had all these weird hacks that I was trying to do and then I talked to the coach at the retreat and I was like you know like I just feel like I'm on a hamster wheel and this and that and there's so much going on and I just can't relax And she's like, the thought that's running through your mind is that you need to do everything in order to be able to relax. She's like, what if relaxing is what actually allows you to get everything done? Mm. And I was like, this is crazy. And she said, (laughs) she goes to me, she's like, Jamie, she's like, I make like millions of dollars. And I spend like two hours of my day lying in bed. She's like, I don't force myself to work so much. And she's like, just change your mentality around it mm-hmm. because changing your mentality will actually lead you to work smarter. So, mm-hmm. so if I know that relaxing is allows me to reach my goals, then I'm going to like relax. And the time that I actually work, I'm also going to be relaxed and be able yes. to get more done. So I've been really in this mindset of like relaxing, relaxing, like relaxing while I'm working, when I'm not working. And that has been also really great um, hack at working smarter because it, when you're when your mind is relaxed you can make smarter business decisions
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's true no it's super it's so true because uh, like i was having Where I felt like I was having issues with um, scrolling on my phone. Like I was like, I scroll too much, way too much, way too much. And um, someone was just like, what, why do you like get mad at yourself? Like, just give yourself permission to scroll. Like who cares? Everyone does it. Like you're not a bad person. And I was like, okay. So I kind of challenged myself. I was like, okay, every day I'm just going to be okay with it when it happens. And I started scrolling less. I was like, I'm actually like, I need less time to satisfy that need and that itch because I'm just like fully in it. And I'm focusing, I'm in the moment, living in the moment or whatever, while I'm doing it and just being in that mindless state of scrolling. So that when I'm like, you know, I've only been doing it for 10 minutes. I'm like, that's good. I'm satisfied now, instead of like an hour being like, oh, I guess I should get back to work, you know? (laughs) So it is true. There's something to be said about like, yeah 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 like there there has to be balance you have to have one to have the other work relaxing or just like personal life satisfaction to have your work life go smooth they kind of it's hard though it's hard
1: (laughs) and it's never the problems that we think we have are never actually about the thing itself it's about like the thought we have about the thing so like yeah. Scrolling, it's like the problem was not you scrolling; it was about what you thought about you scrolling. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is so. It's like that was me and my relaxing. Like I felt like I couldn't relax because I should be productive all the time. So like my thought about chilling out ever was like you should not. Like this is bad. Mm-hmm. Like you have your own business. You need to be working all the time. And then when I wanted to relax, I'm like, you need to relax like hard for the next hour so you can get back to work. Like it wasn't the actual actions that I was taking. It
0: was just my mindset about them. But mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's a good point. It comes or I think it kind of comes with like imposter syndrome and comparison yeah. online because you there is weird pressure on business owners to like always be working. And it's kind of something we do to ourselves, but it's also something that is kind of, I mean, you do kind of see that online, so it's tough. Cause you do have to kind of be like, no, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah. I want to enjoy a night off watching TV or going out or whatever. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, um, I actually, so I did uh, an interview with my business coach in the first season, which is really good for those who are interested. And then I, I did an interview with someone else, um, Jackie Kay, and she mentioned to one COVID first it she was like, I start my day by watching my favorite TV show. She's like, it's so good. It sets me on the right mood, keeps me like chill. And then I get straight to work and it feels so good. So I think Yeah, like giving yourself a little bit of grace when it comes to your daily schedule because we have the flexibility too. That's the whole point.
1: That's the whole point. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to create another job for myself. Like I'm trying to create a business here. That's yeah. I'm not trying to create a job.
0: Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Rigid timeline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. So, do you outsource anything in your business?
1: So. It's funny you ask because yesterday I just made the decision to hire someone to help me with my social media management. And I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) Nice. Congrats. That's exciting.
1: I can't wait. So that is in the works and they are going to help me have a Facebook. um, okay nice. Yeah. Now I can show up, give my value, give my videos, be excited and reach more people ideally so that's Mm -hmm. that's the goal so I'm really I'm really looking forward to it it's been and it was one of those decisions that I had to say like okay what do I need this right now like and I thought well I think it'll be fun like I was like I told the person I was talking I was like I just want to work with you because I think it's going to be fun And when I'm having fun I make more money so let's just do this kind yes. of thing. yeah you
0: know? no that's awesome yeah
1: so that is in the works um there's nothing else that I this is like the first big step that I'm taking in organizing okay
0: right now yeah nice good for you Thank yeah you. no that's really awesome social media is a tough one for sure because it's um really critical and it can be fun and it can be fairly easy to do if you know like you know who you're speaking to your audience and whatnot but uh, it's very time consuming What's the mm-hmm. biggest thing like yeah. I
1: still don't schedule my posts because I just can't like I just like, <laughs> I'm like okay I just need to pay someone to do this because I have I have a block around it and like you said like I like showing up on video so I want that to like I want yes. that to keep happening and I don't want to be dragged down by like the nitty gritty of like when to post and passionate mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah for sure. Yeah. I, I used to schedule like three, po- three weeks at a time. Um, nice. Now I'm like maybe half a week to a week, <laughs> <laughs> but I still get it done. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, it is. It is tough. There's a lot to think about. So that's that's good. Um, how did you meet this person? How did you look for them? Because there are a lot of social media managers out there, but, I mean, you do want to make sure you're finding someone who will understand and respect your voice and how you want to be online.
1: Yes, yes. So I think I know she's part of Women Who Freelance, but I okay. don't know if that's how I found her. It was just one of those where you, like, are following someone you don't remember why or how mm, to um, and so I, her page just like spoke to me so much. Like she just seemed like my friend. So, <laughs>
0: nice and enough. I was
1: like, if I was like, I feel like we're very similar in this in the style that we post. And um, yeah, but I didn't. I I talk. I always make sure, even like when I'm hiring coaches too. I always make sure to at least talk to three different people. So I reached out to my network for referrals. And, um, so that I could talk to other people in the industry. And then I spoke to three different people that, that did social media management. But in the end, I was like, no, I know, I know it's hurt, but at least I know that it's like, you know, you need to understand, mm-hmm. like how do people price things? What are the offerings? Like some people offer certain things, some people don't like, it's so important when you're hiring anyone for anything. Like you need, I, I think like, yes. Okay. We have our like instincts, like this is going to be great, but so that you can feel comfortable, you need to talk to multiple people just to see what the offerings are like. Same with accountants. Like I tell people, like you talk to a few accountants, understand what they're providing for you. And, and that way you'll feel confident when you make your decision of who to go with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, what's one thing that has leveled up your business? So something that's taken your business from zero to 100.
1: So I think that... It might be too soon to say, but I think that I think that letting go of all of my tax clients, which was the scariest thing Mm. ever. (laughs) I just did it for this tax season right now that we're in. So I like let go of all of my tax clients who were like, you know, I'm sure some entrepreneurs can see that they have a certain like line of business that is like kind of um, like secure income for them. Right. Yeah. And that really, I built up over the years I built up these relationships over the years and um, I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to let people down. You feel bad. All these weird things that we think about when we're in business and we have emotions that we're like, Oh my gosh. So anyways, letting go of that piece of work has given me over the past like months, so much more flexibility and so much more space to create the business that I want. So I'm showing up for my bootcamp clients, how I want to show up. They're my primary, like they are like my focus. Like every day I'm like, what do I have to do today? First I check my Slack and see what's going on with my bootcamp clients. Like that is like, they're my priority. And finally I can do that. Whereas Mm -hmm. before I was getting pulled in so many directions all year round. So that really like, Take, making the jump and focusing on what I wanted to actually create and getting rid of the secure income has made a difference. And that's how I'm able to sit here and talk to you. And um, because like, if you had asked me to do a podcast recording, and I was doing a tax season along with my boot camp, I would have said, reach out to me in two, three months, like, that's not the life I'm trying to live. Like I'm trying yeah. to show up and meet people like you and like expand my audience. And I can't do that if I'm stuck behind a screen crunching numbers. Right. Yeah. So that has really created so much space. And um, I know, like I said, I don't know if it's too soon to tell, but I, I trust that it's going to be, it's going to level level up my business because mm-hmm. now you know what I do. This is all I do. This Mm -hmm. is what I do. I focus on it. I'm doing it well. And if you hire me for this, I am like, you're my number one priority.
0: So Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. So, um, when you, what was the decision making, um, process like when you first decided or first thought even that maybe you needed to, um, let go of your tax clients and, um, the motivation behind that and your hopes and goals, yeah. Um, moving forward so that's a big question there's a lot of parts to that question
1: <laughs> Yeah. so I guess the first thing is I had to examine my thoughts around like what if what if all of a sudden I do a cohort and no one buys the boot camp right because it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. okay like you know I've been doing this for three years now and all of a sudden my brain's like well you know if you let go of your tax work nobody's going to hire you for the bootcamp. Like, yeah. you know, like, so I had to work through that and then also work through the financial, like look at my, this is why bookkeeping is so important because you need your numbers in order to make these decisions. So I looked at my revenue for the past three years over tax season and historically tax season is, is my biggest like money-making season because I have my bootcamp and I make all this money in tax. And I mean not like all this money like i'm rich or something but you know what i mean like you're just like you yeah. like probably like wedding season if there's such thing yeah, for you sure Know it's going to be high revenue months yeah. and so i looked at that and then i looked at like my projections if i didn't do that and I had room for the boot camp and also i realized that like i couldn't do both as the boot camp was growing mm-hmm. so i thought financially if I grow the bootcamp where I need it, then I have no problem hitting those targets that I hit with the tax. But also I can't actually do both at this level. Like it was like, I'm going to be exhausted and not and giving out like shit output on all fronts, like not shit, Mm -hmm. but like less than. So that's a thought process that I really went through and what led me. And also the dread of another tax season. Let's mention that. (laughs) Remember how I said, I like to have fun. I'm like, taking on more boot camp clients fun yeah doing another tax season not fun <laughs> so <laughs> it's straight as clear as that right so cuz i get way more enjoyment out of the boot camp so that was something mm-hmm. that i had to look at as well like what do i like doing where is my impact going to be made and truthfully i know from, based on my skill set the biggest impact i'll ever make in this world is helping people understand and manage their finances. It's not filing your taxes. It's just Mm -hmm. not, so like, so I also thought about what impact I wanna make. So your last part of the question was what my hopes would be, right, for going- Yeah,
0: for sure, like moving forward, your goals and such.
1: So my goals, my goal moving forward is to reach more people. And um, yeah, like I I really, honestly, I just want entrepreneurs (laughs) to be out there feeling comfortable with their numbers and not being scared of tax season. Like Mm -hmm. I want people, I just want to help as many people as I can to be able to be like, I know what I'm doing financially. And like, I'm not scared. Like that's really the truth of what I want. That's my mission. So Mm -hmm. how I'm going to do that. We haven't figured it out, but that's also a part of the letting go of the tax work is creating space in order to create New ways of doing things because obviously I can only really take on so much myself. So, mm-hmm. so I'm also trying to figure out how the next step will be how to scale.
0: So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, that's really good. So, um, I'm kind of going to switch a little bit now into the more bookkeeping, accounting side of things. Cool. Um, what types of tools do you use or recommend people use to help with bookkeeping?
1: So I use QuickBooks and QuickBooks is the the tool that I recommend for all small business owners. Um, and then, and, and that QuickBooks, what it does is it does your bookkeeping, which for anybody who doesn't know exactly what it means to do bookkeeping is that you're creating, you're keeping records of what has happened in your business financially. That's really what's going on. So QuickBooks is the best way you can do that. Um, you can manage your, accounts receivable, which is money that you're expecting to bring in. So what you invoice to clients. So we'll see what's outstanding, what people owe you, what's coming down the pipeline. You can manage your accounts payable. So that's anything that you have paid or are going to pay all of your expenses, um, and have that, all your receipts in one place digitally. And then you can do your bank reconciliations in there. So it's really, and a bank reconciliation is, um, what you do to make sure that everything that happens in your bank statements and your visa statements actually matches your books because you have to do that. If you're mm-hmm. audited then you don't have that, then you're in trouble. Which yeah. a lot of especially if you're a corporation. If you're incorporated, you cannot not do bank reconciliation. If you're a sole proprietorship, you're gonna want to do them too so that you can make sure you're catching all of your write-offs and paying as minimal tax as possible. So QuickBooks is really the key tool. And then another tool that I recommend is um, Receipt Bank. If you have a lot of receipts and a lot of expenses, then Receipt Bank does a lot of the bookkeeping for you. It will read your receipts, even handwritten ones from my auto mechanic. I was like, what, I can't (laughs) even read this receipt. But Receipt Bank is like, this is how much HST, this is what this expense was, and does the bookkeeping for you. So Receipt Bank is an excellent tool if you have a lot of receipts and a lot of expenses every month. Mm-hmm. Um, but QuickBooks is really my, like, go-to like, mm-hmm. tool for the booking
0: Yeah. Okay. And are there any um, tools uh, that you recommend against, like, things that you have tried and you don't think are very helpful or aren't good for certain reasons?
1: This is an amazing question. And the first thing I have to say <laughs> is, if you're going to go and do QuickBooks, if you're ready to, to sign up for QuickBooks, Do not, (laughs) do not sign up for QuickBooks Self-Employed. It is going to be the cheapest option because there's like, there's four different QuickBooks. Three Mm -hmm. of them are called QuickBooks Online. And then one is called QuickBooks Self-Employed. QuickBooks Self-Employed is like the cheapest of all of them. But all of the things that I just told you, QuickBooks does, that iteration of it does not do that.
0: Okay, okay, Okay. good (laughs) good to know. (laughs)
1: It's a bit of a hot mess. And everybody that I take in my bootcamp course I'm, and they're like, they realize like within the first week or two, like what the heck was I doing with QuickBooks self-employed? Just don't do it. Trust me on it. I'm not even going to go into detail, but just pay the extra few bucks a month and go with like the bare minimum of the other ones. Like easy start, I think is the bare minimum. Like, um, because it's going to be scalable and you can't really convert from the other. You can only convert amongst the three that I said, the quick, Books online, you can't convert easily from self-employed to a different one. So it's not okay. scalable, and your accountant is not going to want to do your books if you use QuickBooks self-employed. Okay. So that's the first <laughs> thing. The second thing is WAVE. So I have mixed feelings about WAVE. WAVE is not a good bookkeeping system, but if you are just starting out and you don't want to invest like the $10, $15 a month into a software to do your bookkeeping, then at least start using Wave to manage your accounts receivable um, so that you have a system where you're invoicing your clients and everything's all in one place. Don't use it for managing your expenses because it duplicates things. It gets confusing. And if you're not a bookkeeper, you're not going to know how to use it. So... Okay. Don't even bother, like, don't try and do all of your bookkeeping in WAVE. I say WAVE is good for like an invoicing system, but then you're going to have to manage your receipts manually or your expenses manually outside of it. So mm-hmm. I say, I always say do something rather than nothing. So if you're not going to do anything, then at least do WAVE and invoice in WAVE. <laughs> but if you're ready to, to you know, to commit to your business, then you're going to want to get a real bookkeeping system like WAVE.
0: Okay. Um, what are some systems and things that people should have in place, um, throughout the year during tax season, just in general too?
1: Mm -hmm. So people should have a monthly check in a monthly bookkeeping process where they review their, their numbers to, and kind of close off the prior month. So I always recommend, like I teach people a six step monthly system so that once a month, they spend like one or two hours going into their QuickBooks, doing all the things and being like, OK, I understand how it performs. So in more detail, doing all the things is, I mean, like making sure that you've collected money from everybody that owes you money, making sure that what um, that, that you know how much money you made, that you can review your financials. Like what how, what what did you make last month? How much were your was your revenue? How much were your expenses? Like I recommend having like a time in your calendar every month to review that that stuff because that is really like the baseline to like financial health for a business is okay. like, knowing how much money you're making mm-hmm. so in terms of a system i really um would say just having a checkpoint once a month that, i don't know if that could be considered a system because like, we already talked yeah, about QuickBooks, sure. but you know what i mean like having <laughs> yeah. a checkpoint like For me, February was done on like March 15th. I made sure that I reviewed everything that happened from February, you know? So mm -hmm. that's really, that's the key. That's going to help you for your taxes. It's going to help you for your confidence in your numbers. It's going to help you um, to decide if you can afford things going forward, if you can invest in things. Like when you know your numbers, you start to get to get to know them. It's very powerful.
0: Mhm okay that's cool i like that i think yeah that's exactly the kind of answer i was looking for things people can just kind of implement habits routines
1: mm-hmm.
0: um because i know it's very common or i hear it's very common i'm not great at doing the like regular check in to put it all in mm-hmm. um i know for a lot of people starting out it's common to just do it in tax season yeah <laughs> totally left,
1: it's very common um,
0: mm-hmm. which is really overwhelming Unless you have like a really minimal expense <laughs> business, but even then, like, um, yeah, so I like that. Um, yeah,
1: you're really doing yourself a disservice if you wait till the end of the year. And I know that people do it, especially in the first year, they're just out there trying to hustle, trying to make mm-hmm. money. They're like, I don't have time to think about this, but but the thing is, is that if you do take time to think about it, then you will reap the benefits of doing it instead of at the end of the year when you when you do it you don't actually you're like oh that's how much money I made like it doesn't really provide you with any insight because the year's already come and gone you know (laughs) and you already have a tax bill due that you have to pay that you weren't anticipating so really like I would say like if you can just take time every month to look at anything look at your bank statement like I'm talking like bare minimum because people don't even do that and they understand like I get it because that's like me with my Instagram, like I I never wanted to be in marketing. I never wanted to sell. I never wanted to do anything to do with my advertising. And like, I avoided it for so long. And then when I started to do it, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Okay, like I can't believe I wasn't doing this before. So you start minimal you start, I started by opening an Instagram account, mm-hmm. showing up every day, no strategy, right? And the same with your bookkeeping. If you're doing absolutely nothing, put something in your calendar, Put an hour in your calendar at some point this month and just decide, I'm just going to look at my bank statement and check it. And you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be a complete overhaul of the backlog. And if Mm -hmm. you want help with the backlog, then I can help you with that. So, (laughs) so I don't want to stress people out about like, well, I think a lot of people think like, if I'm going to start looking at my numbers and I have to like fix everything from like the last X amount of months before I can get into it. No, you don't have to do that. You could just decide you're going to deal with the backlog at tax season and then start looking at your numbers for February right now. Well, Mm -hmm. we're in March right now. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but look at your numbers for the last month, put together a spreadsheet or get your, or your next step could be like download wave and send your first invoice in wave. Like it doesn't have to be a complete overhaul. And I think Mm -hmm. people sometimes get stuck in that, like not doing anything because they think they have to do everything.
0: Mm-hmm. everything no, like, is
1: going to help you
0: yeah 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 I like that that's good yeah to deal with kind of all the backlog whenever you need to and just focus on what you can do right now because it is a lot to think about um you also have a reel about how um bookkeeping is like working out
1: yes. Like if you
0: only do it once in a while it's really hard but if you do it more regularly it's a lot easier I was like oh my god that's so true <laughs> <laughs> yes. and you
1: dread it right you're like yeah. oh my gosh I have to do this but once you get into the like now I'm in the habit I'm excited I'm like oh sweet I'm gonna run my numbers I get to see how I did like yeah. but only because I do it regularly so when you don't do it regularly then it's like you said mm-hmm. like,
0: yeah it's yeah for sure. hard. yeah <laughs> um what are some really common mistakes people make
1: so uh one that I see a lot is people, so people download QuickBooks, but they don't know how to do bookkeeping. So in and of itself, there's a bajillion mistakes there. So that's like, like just to be clear, if you're not a bookkeeper, bookkeeping is still a skill you have to learn. Yes, it's administrative and yes, it's easy once you learn it, but there is a learning curve. So I often see people go into QuickBooks with no clue what they're doing and then they make a bunch of stuff up and then we have to go back and fix all that. Or they um, download QuickBooks and don't do anything because they're so scared and they don't take time to like either hire someone to help like me or look into, because QuickBooks Online has a lot of resources too online that you could, if you have time, you can Google and learn how to do Mm -hmm. setup right? So, I mean, yeah, going into the system with like, no clue what you're doing um and just like plowing through you will make mistakes because it's still an accounting system so that's one thing i see a lot of people make mistakes um i see that uh not having separate business and personal accounts so <laughs> if you have all of your stuff coming out of one personal bank account coming in and out of one personal bank account and what in your personal credit card Your bookkeeping is going to be so, so difficult. So, um, like I mentioned earlier about just taking one small step, that might be your one small step that you take this month. Decide, which is still okay. Like I say, it's a small step, but this is like, you know, it's going to take work. So, you might spend an hour setting up a new account and just and moving over your, you know, pre authorized things, but, but you will, your future self will thank you for separating those accounts. There, Mm -hmm. and like most of the things I talk about, Separating the accounts is going to be is, is going to be beneficial always because for tax season, it's going to be easier, but mentally it will be so powerful to see things separated and to teach your brain that you have created a real business that you are going to pay yourself from and rather than, oh, like everything's mishmashed together. I don't know what I'm making money. And you're kind of treating your business like your piggy bank, your personal piggy bank.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I and I was like, that's exactly what it is. So separating it is important for your mindset and for, um, taxes. It's going to make mm-hmm. bookkeeping easier too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. When I got a business card, I realized right away, like, oh, this is going to make things so much easier when I have to like cross-reference things or I can't find like a payment. I like, I've got the receipt and it, it absolutely makes things way faster. Um, when you need and- to go in and do things like that.
1: Yeah. And then if you're audited, you could just give your business stuff. Like imagine you're auditing yeah. you ask for bank statements and it's like Uber, like... Lula.
0: Sephora. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> like, like, I don't want this person at the CRA to see like all my personal spending habits, right? Yeah. So that um, that's a mistake. Yeah. I see often is just having it mishmashed together. Um, another mistake I would say is... Um, I see a lot of people incorporate too soon. So I don't know Hmm. if like, I'm trying to think of if this is the, the, like who's listening, but basically like some people, they get advice from the wrong person or they don't get advice or someone's like uncle tells them like you should incorporate and then they incorporate and they don't realize like when you incorporate, it's a whole new level of filing a whole new level of bookkeeping. Like, I told you you could get away with wave, you know, invoicing there and, and putting your receipts together separately, or maybe even doing it in a spreadsheet. Once you incorporate mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't fly. You have to do, you have to hire a bookkeeper or do your own bookkeeping properly. So, mm-hmm. and then it costs way more to file, like, and, um, you know, you have to learn how to pay yourself Are you gonna pay yourself salary or dividends, all of this stuff happens. And so incorporating is not Is no joke. I like to say, (laughs) you know, it's something that you need to speak to an accountant that you trust to understand if it's right for you because it's not just like, oh, you incorporate, you save money. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I see people incorporating too soon and then they get really upset when they realize how expensive it is to file and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So, how would someone know when they're right? Like, what are some sure signs that? A company or a business is ready to incorporate them
1: so the the general test is if you are making more money than you need to live then it makes sense to incorporate that's like that's like in general and then you would want to talk to an accountant of
0: course right yeah.
1: basically yeah. if for example you I think the number has been thrown around about Toronto like $75,000 and like you could like live here which I don't even know about that anymore but basically <laughs> yes. $75,000 is like your pay to play in the city so if you're making 75 more than seventy five thousand in your business then it might be worth considering incorporating and the reason is is that the saving the tax savings that come from incorporating come from the fact that you don't use you don't take all of the money out of the business so if you're using every dollar that you make then it's probably not going to make sense for you to incorporate because you're going to put all the money in the corporation and then you're going to pull it all out and get taxed on it personally. So you might as well just yeah, kind of sole proprietorship. So that's where like the reasoning. So yeah, the, the general thing is start to think about it when you're starting to make more money than you need to live.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. I think that's a good little tidbit for people to know. Um, So you help people with their um learning with teaching them how to do their own bookkeeping properly. Um, What is the stepping stone to a business hiring a bookkeeper? Um, We talked about incorporating, but obviously that might not be um, something everyone's interested in. So what is um, a sign like, okay, maybe I take your course. I learn how to do it a few years down the road. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, there's a bit of growth. Should I get a bookkeeper or should I keep doing it myself? What are kind of some tips you have to gauge um, when a business is ready to hire out,
1: I love it. So I think that um, the 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 few things you want to consider is the complexity of your. Well, actually, I think I'll take a step back first to say, like, how do you know whether you should do it yourself versus hire? Because some people might think, like, I don't really want to learn to do it myself, which mm-hmm. is totally I get it. So, w- like, at what point do you hire a bookkeeper as well? Right. So. First, I want you to think about, like, from the start. So first, I want you to think about the complexity of your transactions. Um, as in, do you have, are you collecting money from your clients in, like, multiple currencies? Like, are you selling all over the world or just in, like, Canada, U.S.? Like, so that, that adds a complexity to your bookkeeping that you might not be able to handle. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of pages in your bank statements and the statements every month? So if you have a, a lot of, like, a, a high volume of transactions, then it might make sense for you to, to get a bookkeeper right off the bat. But if you only have, like, if you look at your bank statement or your credit card statement, you only have one to two pages in a month. Um, then that's something that's very manageable that you should be able to do yourself because a lot of this stuff is automated after you set it up. So the setup is a lot of work, but then after it's automated and then, like, it's it, it, you barely have to think about it. So um, So complexity, volume of transactions, and then also um, in general, like, uh, do you know what it means to look at your numbers and do your books? Do you understand what your finances, what it means to have like a profit and loss statement and balance sheet? Because if you don't understand those things, then it's going to be really difficult for you to outsource because you don't know what you're outsourcing. It's like, like, I'm not, gonna, I wasn't going to like hire a social media management firm if I didn't actually, like, I couldn't, I was not ready to hire a social media management firm when I had no Instagram account. Yeah. Because yeah. I needed yeah. to know what it was, right? Yeah. Like, what is it? What is it that I can outsource? Like, do I even want to? Like, mm-hmm. do I even understand what it is to make an IDT? And that <laughs> is my advice also on bookkeeping. Like, if you are, if you have zero clue what's going on and you jump right to outsourcing, um, chances are it's not going to be a great experience for you, and you're not going to know if they're doing it well. You're not going to know if they're doing it right. Um, there's a lot of, like, I've seen it happen a lot where, like, people don't trust their bookkeeper because mm. they actually don't trust themselves because they don't
0: actually know what's going oh, on. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. That's not a good place to be in. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's important to have a general understanding of your finances and your books before you outsource mm-hmm. um, and also not to out and I don't recommend outsourcing because you're just trying to get away from it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like, can you so, <laughs> no, just kidding, but yeah because it's like you are you are the CEO you are your business the business owner and you are the head of everything you are the head of finance you're the head of marketing you're the head of like customer experience you're the everything so you mm-hmm. can't just decide that accounting is not going to be your finance is not going to be a part of what you do every CEO, they might have a CFO that's reporting to them, but they still overlook the finances and understand what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So you will always, always have to be a part of that. Now, that being said, at what point do you, if you're doing your books, you to your original question, what time, what point do you decide to outsource? And I'd say, once you understand what you're outsourcing at a general level, and, um, that's literally the only thing I'd say, like in terms of like, be careful, but, and then, you know, when there's a high volume and it's taking you hours and hours, everything, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you can get it done, like, I would say like, for me, I probably spend like not even 15 minutes a week in my QuickBooks doing like actual okay. tasks. And then once a month, I might spend like an hour or two. Yeah. So if you can get it done in a few hours and it's, and it's then you're good. But once it starts to take hours and hours every week, then you're definitely going to get some savings from getting a bookkeeper. And you mm-hmm. you'll go back to that oversight of like 15 minutes a week.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I like what you said too about outsourcing. I heard someone say that about um, Pinterest, they like, worked really hard, built their Pinterest brand, they got full clients from it. Uh, and then they were like, okay, I'm ready to, for someone else to do this. I've set it up. I've done all the work. And that person, like they fell behind. Like they started losing inquiries, losing followers, losing following. Wow. So they actually had to go in and be like, you're not doing this right. And so when she went on Instagram, just a story post, she was like, this is a lesson to everyone. Like you you should know what it, what the basic is behind it before you get someone to do it. Because if by chance they don't do it right or they don't do it the way it needs to be done or you want it to be done. If you have no idea, well, you can't check it and there's no way to know that. So, I, I mean, you just reiterated it about accounting, which is super important.
1: I love that story. Well, I don't love that that happened to that person, but I love that story. It's, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's yeah, good. Um, so I only have a couple more questions before we get into the bonus question. Um, one is for people's personal um, bookkeeping, is QuickBooks set up so that they can have like their business in one tab or whatever, and then their personal in another, would you recommend that? Because obviously as a business owner, that is another layer of complication because you maybe people have kids too. Like there's a lot of components going on, keeping track of your living expenses and what your business is paying you to live and all those things that it can get a little messy is um, QuickBooks good for that. Is that kind of what you'd recommend? Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah,
1: so your QuickBooks is going to be for your business only. So there are things that you can do in order to, um, like if you have some personal things that flow through your business accounts or some, or you're using your personal account still and there's both in there. There are ways that you can categorize things, but I always tell my clients, you keep your QuickBooks for your business. This is like a business system, bookkeeping for your business only, and you're going to keep that very separate from your personal side of things because if you start to have like both in there, it doesn't really doesn't do a good job of like separating it. There's no okay. so it's just gonna muck up what your numbers look like, right. So you'll have like a statement of your income statement, your profit and loss showing how much revenue you brought in and all your expenses, but then you'll have like personal expenses in there and then you're not going to know how much money you made. So really um, coming back to like separate the two, this is your business. That you're running and mm-hmm. yes it might be a sole proprietor yes it might be tied to your personal name but you still want to treat it as something that is paying you and then yeah so i would say treat yourself like a salaried employee what would you do to track your stuff your personal expenses mm-hmm. um, if you were working for someone else i would say do the same thing i am having a hard time with this myself these days because i used to do it on pen and paper. So my personal <laughs> wow. Stuff, wow. Because I just loved it so much. Like I had this planner money planner and every week I would have like my budget, my budget in there for the week. And every month I would look at a month in advance and it, I had like a page to do that. And I really liked it because most personal finance gurus will tell you, before you create a budget, you need to like physically write down everything you spend to understand what's going on. So the physical writing actually is really helpful. But, anyways, I loved it because it was like the exact format I liked. And then now I tried to automate it using Mint, which is like a QuickBooks mm, product. Okay. It's free. Um and I'm like, this is hard. I don't like this. So I did that for a few months. I'm like, I hate this. And then <laughs> and now I'm just using like an Excel spreadsheet that I made myself because I just can't be bothered. Like there's mm-hmm. a few, if you follow like some finance coaches on Instagram, they always have like a free budget tracker you can download mm-hmm. stuff. Like any, you know. Any personal finance crew usually has that. And the reason is is that there's no good software. Although, okay, I lied. I lied. I haven't tried the paid softwares yet. So I've only tried free software. So I haven't tried yeah. like the you need a budget, which is like a good one I heard. And Cleo, I think, is in the States. So I don't know if it's in Canada yet. But mm. I think there are some good paid tools out there. But but yeah, to answer your original question, mm-hmm. keep it separate. And then yeah. whatever you would do if you were an employee, then do that the same.
0: Mhm that's smart. Um okay that was actually just so people know that. Question was from Instagram and then there's one other from Instagram. Ooh fun. Um, okay um break down ta- can you break down like um uh, what a write off is and basically they uh, I mean you only have so many characters on Instagram so I'm going to make some assumptions on what they were asking. But like what are some write offs business owners miss? Um what are some really good ones to not forget and just kind of what that is because I mean, especially when you're new, I'm kind of lucky. I went to photography school and we did learn like very, very minimalist about that, but right. it was a really great start to health. Um, So obviously, I mean, if you are just starting a business right from scratch, like you might have no idea what that is.
1: Yes. So write-offs, what is a write-off? So a write-off is, um, so actually, I'm always like, step back one second. Let's step back to <laughs> like how you're taught. So if you are a sole proprietor, which you are, if you haven't incorporated. So if you're like, I don't know, I didn't register, you're a sole proprietor, okay? If you, mm-hmm. didn't, if mm-hmm. you didn't incorporate your business, you're a sole proprietor. Um, then, you, Or if you're incorporated, actually, you're taxed on your what's called your net income. So your net income is made up of all of the money that you brought in, all of your sales for your services or product, minus all of your business expenses, so, for example, if you brought in $50,000 in sales or revenue in the year, and then you had like $20,000 worth of expenses, then your net income is going to be 50 minus 20, so it's going to be $30,000. And that $30,000 is what you would pay your taxes on if you're a sole proprietor, or if you'll pay corporate tax if you're a corporation. So that's how taxes work. You pay on the you pay on the net income amount, the net amount after expenses. So what a write-off is, is those expenses that help you to reduce how much you're paying tax, they reduce your net income number. So the more in expenses that you have, that's the more, is the more write-offs you have is a less tax you're going to pay. So it's not like you have a write-off and then you get that money back. Like sometimes people think like, oh, like, do you just get money back from the government? No, it reduces your income, which reduces the tax that you're going to pay. So that's the relationship to taxes and what how write-offs work. Um, and so so at the very beginning of your business, you want to start to pay attention to every single thing that you're spending money on, um, personal or business, and keep receipts for everything that you think could potentially be related to your business and that means potentially related means that like could you justify that buying that item or service helped you to build your business and make more money that is a justification that you need to give to CRA if you're ever audited so say um I bought these like Apple headphones okay these AirPods which have changed my life
0: i it's so expensive. I, I know.
1: <laughs> they really are, honestly, but they they've changed my life for walking around the house without mm. a phone in my pocket. Because that's what I feel like. I always do dishes now on my phone. It's ridiculous because my stupid dishwasher is not working. But anyways, oh. uh, <laughs> that's a whole that's a point of uh pain point for me these days. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> so I got these AirPods and I was like, I can write these off because Having these AirPods means that I can talk to my clients on the phone, and if I can talk to my clients on the phone, then that means I can make more money from my business. So that's like when you want to try and figure out if something's a write-off or not, you want to think about is it something that you could can justify that you were able to make money from, and is it reasonable that you would have spent money on it, given your business? So say that i um don't actually talk to my clients on the phone or on the computer say that i um i don't know what kind of business would you have that you don't talk to people like you're behind the scenes but anyways maybe say a I, shop yeah okay there you go like a store yeah like a storefront yeah like and so say like it would be harder for somebody who owns a store to just buy that airpods help them in their business. Mm-hmm. they probably could still write it off to be honest but it's like, what's reasonable in the situation and Mm -hmm. what would you actually justify? Now, to take it a step further, say I made $30,000 in my business this year and these AirPods cost me $10,000. Is that reasonable? No, (laughs) no one that has a $30,000 business is gonna spend $10,000 on headphones. So you also have to think about, is it reasonable given your business? And those are like, so reasonable and justifiable are like the key things to think about. And then in terms of like, what to think about writing off, like off the top of my head, so like dues and subscriptions. So if you have like a schedule or like a QV or Calendly, or like your website hosting costs, or um, uh, if you hire an accountant, a lawyer, anybody, hire somebody to do your creative work for you, maybe a designer, like those types of things you can write off. I'm trying to think of ones that people miss so so people sometimes don't track their car mileage and so you can actually write off a proportion of your car costs in relation to how much you drive it for work versus business so in that is like your insurance your gas your registration your parking like all that your maintenance and repairs so all of that stuff um you can write off a portion of it and your leasing costs. So a lot of people miss that, um, because they are not tracking their mileage. So you have to start tracking your mileage. That's what I would recommend. Like if you're just starting your business, start writing down all of your trips or download a mileage tracker, like MileIQ or if you mm-hmm. have QuickBooks, QuickBooks has its own software in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, your car expenses, your home office, um, sometimes people miss certain ones. Like for home office, you can, write off a portion of your home that's related to if you own your home, you can write off a part of your mortgage interest, not your mortgage itself, just the interest part, um, your insurance. So if you're tenanted or you own, if you have tenant insurance or home insurance, you can write off part of that. You can write off your utilities, your internet costs, like, you um, If you have somebody cleaning your house for you, if you're living that best life, then you can write off a part of that because Mm -hmm. someone's cleaning your house, they're also cleaning your office. So things like that um, are things that sometimes get missed. Try to think of other like weird ones. like, But I would say just come back to the original um, rule of, you know, is it reasonable? Is it justifiable? Mm -hmm. Then, um, keep the receipt and ask your accountant at the end of the year. There's nothing wrong with keeping yeah. the receipt and then, and then it you can't rate it off or putting it in your QuickBooks as like a, ask my accountant category. Like people do that. That's the nice thing about QuickBooks is you can just keep a category for things that you're unsure of. And then mm-hmm. all at once, at the end of the year, you work with your accountant on it.
0: Okay. Um,
1: yeah. But,
0: um, that's smart yeah no I like that okay so just to finish then are there is there anything that you want to finish on um any last pieces of advice tips or even just your thoughts um yeah feel free to talk about um the freebie thing that you're that's coming up next week yeah. and more about your bootcamp too if you um, don't have any other thoughts you can finish on just plugging your own stuff
1: yeah cool so um so this has been a really fun conversation i think it's been a nice like balance of like business talk and accounting finance talk um and so i i guess let's talk let's talk about the program so the bookkeeping boot camp program that i run how it works is it's a 12-week program and over 12 weeks i take everybody through three different phases and it doesn't matter where they're at if they're just starting their business or they're like years in and they're just like, I'm ready to commit to doing my finances. So what I do is I take them through three different phases. Um, the first phase is really to like understand the groundwork of what's already happening in, biz- in the business and then optimize that so that it's going to work well and quick with QuickBooks. Um, so that's where we would get into what bank accounts to open, what's going on with are using a shopping cart, like all that type of stuff. So we set the groundwork and then we move into a second phase called like organization and optimization and that's where i teach the six step process of what to do every month for your specific business so i'm going to teach you to be a bookkeeper for your business you're not going to have to learn everything about bookkeeping okay we're not talking about debits and credits like i'm just teaching you how to do it specifically for your business so you know and you have a guide that that you've documented so that once the course is done you just look at the guide and you're like oh yeah this is what i'm supposed to be doing right now and this is how i do it so then after we get into that then we will go into phase three which is what i call cfo status where you start where i teach you how to look at your numbers and how to forecast your tax bills because that is a really big thing is that people are scared because they don't know how much money they're going to owe or they can't manage their cash flow so i teach that and then i have some bonus modules on how to create a business budget so all the stuff that we talked about today is covered in the course and I meet people exactly where they're at. So 12 weeks, one call a week, small group call where you can check in with me and get your questions answered. but you get access to me in a Slack group. So I am answering questions all the time over Slack so that when you're actually working on your stuff, you don't have to wait for a call to talk to me because that's where I think people get tripped up. They run into one issue and then they're like, forget it. So that's how the course works. (laughs) Is like, it's really designed to get you back on track and, you know, camp style, like we're going to do 12 weeks. And at the end of 12 weeks, your your stuff's going to be order, in order. So that's how it works. And um, it's sold out for the first quarter of this year. I'm launching the next one soon. So if you're interested, head over to my Instagram, hit the link to my bio and sign up for the waitlist, or I guess she'll put it in the show notes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do that for sure. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Jamie. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think we covered a lot and you gave some great pieces of insight and advice for people at different levels in their bookkeeping. And I just really appreciate all the tips you've given. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening in. Remember to check us out on Instagram at what the business podcast. See you at the next episode.